This season, we have talked about self-advocacy, setting boundaries, microaggressions, sexism, caregiving and parenting, while all trying to navigate the workplace and reach for leadership. On today's show, we're going to be chatting about confidence and resiliency, strategies that we can use to build our confidence and keep filling our resiliency cup. This is Talk It Forward, brought to you by the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation with support from the City of Vancouver. And I'm your host, Carla Grimman. On today's show, we'll be chatting with Carol Shire from the City Learn Centre, and we'll also be talking with Betty Leps. They'll both be sharing with us how they've had challenges with confidence and resiliency in their work careers. And our first guest today is Betty Leps. Betty is the Director of Urban Relationships for the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation. Betty has more than 35 years working in community development, and she developed the first restorative justice court in Calgary. Betty, thank you so much for coming on the show. And as I know it, you are um, very new to the Vancouver Park Board and also in a new position. Can you tell us a little bit more about your position? And I think you've been here for less than two weeks now. Today marks the end of two weeks. Well done. (laughs) You survived. (laughs) Thanks, Carla. (laughs) Yes, I did. Oh, what to say about this unique position. I think, first of all, you know, Donnie and the Park Board have been creative in how we respond to people sheltering in the parks, but also how to make all the parks and outdoor spaces available for everyone. So there's no one left out. And so as this area is going to be developing, one of the key things that we're going to be looking at is how do we do this as a full community? How do we make this everyone's business, not just one system's business? Because everyone needs to be enjoying the outdoor space and feeling safe and having access. No matter how old you are, how young you are, what demographic you fit in. And being in Vancouver, especially urban areas, is that a lot of people see this as an extension of their home. Yeah, it so, just, this sounds like a big job with a lot of challenges. And I'm wondering if, are you concerned about, as you navigate through this new challenging role and having to work with all of these different people in the organization, but also across the communities, are you worried about confidence or resiliency as you navigate through this? Always, because there's always going to be someone who's going to challenge you on something. And that's usually based out of fear. We see and we experience our lives through our lived experiences. So sometimes the reaction is out of fear. So how do we switch that to have people trust us and to have people understand that we're working with them to provide the best space possible? But Confidence and resiliency, absolutely, because I've been, confidence has taken me a long time and it's still in play with all my intersectionalities. It's important that people recognize that my lived experience has not been a whole lot about trust as well. So confidence in myself was quite reduced particularly in, you know, when I first started my career. But resiliency is really about learning and understanding myself. And so 
I continue to do that daily and I continue to challenge myself daily. And as I do that, I see my resilience and confidence growing. How do we, how have you filled up your confidence cup (laughs) throughout your career? Oh my, by having great leaders, great people around me that give me that feedback, that also provide me with authentic observations that I'm sometimes not able to sit and listen to at the moment, but then come back and say, hey, let's have this conversation again. One of the first things when I became a leader in Calgary, one of the first things that happened is one of my team members called the manager as well as the director and said that I wasn't being supportive at all. And I never even knew if I wanted to be a leader. I was like, I'm just happy doing community development and hanging out with the youth and the families. And But um, the universe put me in that direction, so that's where I went. But my first experience was not a good one. This individual accused me of not listening to her, um, not being compassionate, not being sensitive. And it goes against all those values that I want to be and that I was hoping that I was doing. So it hit me really hard and I actually was very upset in my office and, and having tears and the CEO came by and he said, you can do this. This feels tough right now, but one thing you'll learn is people go through their own things. And as a leader, it's how do you best support them and not take it personally. Do you have any recommendations for, say, someone who, or an employee who is having a low confident moment, but they don't have that great leader supporting them? Because that unfortunately happens sometimes where an employee is received feedback, it wasn't very positive, and they don't have that support from a leader. How can that individual, how can that employee fill up their confidence cup after they've had, you know, this low self-esteem moment? I think they have to take it back and sit with it for a while and figure out for themselves what their next steps are. And that may be building that confidence enough to go to your leader and say, oh, when you said that, this is what made me feel like this. And I always say, practice, practice, practice. Practice with those that you love, those that you trust, and say, what does this sound like? You know, I felt this way, but it's, I don't know, maybe it wasn't, you know, intentional. So connecting with those that you're close to and that you trust and talk about it and then approach the situation and really be authentic about it. Because one of the things, you know, Brene Brown speaks about a lot is boundaries, but also the stories we make up in our heads. So sometimes we're reacting to something that really is a story we've made up. And what we need to do is clarify that story. Mm -hmm. And once we get the clarification, we go, oh, okay, was totally not what I thought. But I took it that way. As I said before, Carla, it's really because of our own lived experiences. Speaking of lived experiences, and you mentioned Brene Brown, I hear that you actually got chosen to take her training. Yes. Um, Can you tell me more about that training? Can you share with us? 
Oh, I can share with you. It was nerve wracking. It was like writing my master's thesis all over again um, because everybody, she was only doing four trainings for her Dare to Lead book when it first came out. And she was the one conducting the training. And she said, I'm only going to do four. She doesn't know if she would train other trainers or what's going to happen from there. But this was her start. So you had to fill out an application. And when we talk about confidence and resilience, I was like, no, there's no way that I'm going to be accepted to this because everyone around the world will want to go. Um, everyone's going to want to be trained by Brene and see her and meet her and watch her style. A lot of competition to get into that course. A lot of competition from all over the world. So I wrote the application, which was pages and pages, and um, I got you go ahead and do it for my partner. Yes, this is going to be really good. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is. We were talking about failure before. It doesn't mean it's a failure. It means, okay, so what do you want to do next? And so I put in the application. And then about a month later, I got the acceptance letter and I got to choose which time I was going to go to Texas. And I was excited to go to Texas, but more excited to meet Brene and hear from her directly about how she creates safe spaces for people to learn boundaries. And she's a great boundary setter herself. And uh, then I chose November. So I went, I was the last cohort that went through and it was amazing. There was about a hundred people per cohort. And I met people from Poland and Australia and the U.S. and Canada, all over the world. It was amazing to be surrounded by people learning the same language. Nice. You mentioned learning in there. And kind of we met very briefly a few days ago um, when I did a presentation to the senior leadership team. And most of the people that I have interviewed on this podcast, I've, I've met them throughout my career. So I have to admit, I did a little bit of snooping before, um, <laughs> before this interview. And I, is it okay if I read to you a little snippet about what one of your previous colleagues said about you? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So it says, Betty is the epitome of strength, resilience, and perseverance. I have seen her work through and overcome extraordinary challenges with calm and grace. It was a joy to work with and learn from Betty. So I'm looking forward to learning from you. And I'm wondering, what do you think the rest of the senior leadership team and the park board and the city of Vancouver can learn from you throughout your career here? Oh, that brought up emotions, Carla. I know who that is. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. What, I, what my hope is, is that with my community development lens and the humanity of how we treat people, the diversity, the inclusion, the colonialism, looking at all of that, my hope is to bring that, how we look at people, how we address people, how we are part of that system. Because everybody we touch, touches us back. So... You walk into a park or you walk into a rec center, if you're going to work out, if you're doing a walk, someone walks by you, you're going to impact their day. We're all connected at some level. And so my hope is to be able to share what I've experienced in the last 35 years. Sorry, I was, when I was doing a resume, someone said, don't put 35 plus years. Um, it ages Why you. Why do you think they said that? <laughs> 
I think they figure people think you're too old to start anything oh, new. Oh, no, that brings experience to the table. That brings experience to the table. <laughs> and that's exactly what I hope to bring, is the experience, but I also hope to learn. And I'm doing that already in two weeks. What I'm learning uh, um, from everyone mm-hmm. is remarkable and how that is going to be connected to the work that I do. And so this... This 35 years of experience, I'm sure you have a lot of tools in your toolkit. How do you think we can support and give more resilience to people of marginalized communities? Listen. Listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. Because their story is important to where they are today. And if we don't listen and if they don't feel heard we don't build the trust where we can share with them opportunities for them if they wish those opportunities for their well-being. But we can't come in with our own preconceived notions of what each individual wants. It's going to be different for everyone. So the systems in play in the last years, I mean, I've seen them change and grow, which is fantastic, but it's still built around a group It's still built around, you have to have this, you have to have that. All the same sort of characteristics, and we're not the same. So before we implement different ideas or systems onto someone else, we really need to listen to their story first. Yeah. I understand you have two nieces. Yes. They're quite young. What advice have you given to them um, as they start developing their careers? And what advice would you give to other young women um, that are starting to develop in their careers when they are feeling, you know, lacking confidence and resiliency? Wow. They're amazing young women. Um, For me, it's about listening to them again, but also sharing with them my reality and what's happened so they understand that and they're able to know how important their voices are that what i've learned in the last probably 10 15 years i used to say they've taken my voice away but it's not that i gave it away and someone had pointed that out to me and i went oh you're right because of who i am and what my life experience has been I gave it away, so I said, you know, I tell them, don't give it away. Use your voice because it's going to impact more than you think. You mentioned your reality. What is your reality? Ooh, what is my reality? And you you said that at one point you had your voice taken away. How did it get taken away? And how did that make you feel? Well, I think that's what I learned from that, that it wasn't taken away. I gave it away. Being a black woman, um, a lesbian black woman with all the intersectionalities, I was afraid. I was afraid to speak up because maybe I wouldn't be heard. Maybe they won't take my ideas. Maybe it'll be silly. So really, how I got through those times was I kept saying, they're taking my voice away. But when I was talking to someone, they had said to me, or are you giving it away? And that's what I mean about communication and getting resilience and confidence. It takes those people to say those things. And then I went introspectively and went, oh, my God, yeah, I am. Based on my reality at the time, I didn't think my voice was important. So what do I have to give? Today, it's very different. Yeah. 
Was there a shift when sort of a light bulb went off and said, hey, you know what, my voice is important? What changed? I think the first time that I said something and decided to, okay, I'm sitting in a boardroom and everyone in the boardroom was white and I had a thought and I put it out on the table and people said, oh, that's great. How do you see us moving that forward? And I was like stuck because I was like, oh my God, I don't even know. I didn't think that far. (laughs) I just wanted to put it out there and see what reaction. And not that we always need that positive reaction, but just being able to ground myself. And one of the things I do is put my feet solid on the ground if I don't feel grounded. And then I asked my question and I made a statement and it was received really well. And again, that's where I thought, this is the stories I make up in my head, which I never clarified. So it's, it's again, you know, we need to clarify those stories before we start saying my life is, you know, I don't have the confidence to do any of this. Yeah, just putting out those ideas and knowing that even if your idea isn't accepted, but it might spur someone else to have an idea to grow upon that original idea. And at that board table, you can have that conversation and grow from there. Absolutely. So, Betty, I was wondering what advice would you have for someone or what do you do to stay positive as we're going through this pandemic and, you know, this heavy workload and all of this change? Wow, it's been tough. And I think it's been tough for many people. And I know people around me, mental health has decreased. Um, Just the ability to stay positive and think what's what's next um, has been difficult for many, including myself. I moved from Calgary to Vancouver in the middle of the pandemic, I think the third wave. And so it really is about building that support system that you need and ensuring that you continue. And I know this, I said this so many times, but conversation mm-hmm. is so critical whether you're feeling great, whether you're not feeling great. And so for me, it's really to surround myself with people and good food that, you know, (laughs) fill me up. What's your food? Oh, my goodness. Well, I was born in Guyana, and my brother lives in Poco, and he had a food truck for a while. And he does these wings that are made out of casual, that are just to die for. So that's my favorite food. Nice. (laughs) Yes. And so, okay, say you're at work and there are no food trucks around. (laughs) Let's get back to the work thing. (laughs) What do you do to stay positive? (laughs) Oh, I get to step outside. I get to walk around. I get to go sit on a bench. Um, I get to call my wife and say, how's your day? And maybe say, mine is going like, the day is just flying by and I have so much to do and hear her voice say, okay, do what you can. And I go, okay, that's the permission I needed. (laughs) Um, But doing all those things and looking at the birds, you know, just spending time with bringing my blood pressure down (laughs) and my you know, the anxiety that may be coming because of something that's due or I'm 
right now I'm in the learning mode, right? Mm -hmm. And it feels like there's so much learning. So it's about taking a step back and going, okay, what do I need to do now? What do I need to do for today? Have you ever been vulnerable at work? Um, And I'm asking this because quite often when women are in a leadership position, there's been this assumption that to be a leader, you have to be strong and you have to put on this tough face and you can't cry at work. And I think that's shifting. I hope that is shifting. And showing vulnerability at work is okay now. Have you ever had one of those moments? And how did that make you feel? And how did those around you react? Yes, I've had several of those moments. Because when you talk about confidence, and I say it's probably the last 10 years I really stepped into my confidence. You know, the story I shared earlier, I cried because those weren't my values. And I couldn't believe someone was saying that. And I went, um, I was sitting with the director, I was sitting with the manager and myself. And it just took me over emotionally. And I didn't know what to do. I couldn't even speak. And everybody responded. I calmed down. Then I just listened. And then I went back to my office. And that's when the CEO came and said, you did great. This is not about you. This is what can happen. And when you lead, this is what, you know, sometimes it comes on top of you. And it's their experience. And so, Yes, and I've been vulnerable after that as well, but it's been tough because I didn't always have the confidence, and I always felt that you mentioned women, and I felt that Black women for sure couldn't be vulnerable. And there was a stereotype that Black women get crazed when they are vulnerable. And so just really not wanting to be that and really not wanting to show people to so they can say, you see, it's all right. That is true. And so I did for years hold back that vulnerability and realized, no, being vulnerable is is good. It's a part of your authentic self. It's a part of who you are. And sometimes you're going to be emotional, happy or sad or mad. There's going to be emotions. We all have emotions in life. But it's our surroundings that also build that. So the culture around your work, the culture around your team, if you are supportive of that vulnerability, it will breed vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you had that support and you were in a safe place where you could do that. What if a young woman isn't in a safe place where they can express that vulnerability? She needs to leave and go to a safe place. She needs to know where her safe place is. If it's a place at work, if it's a place outside, she just needs to take care of herself. And if your leader is an authentic leader, they'll understand that. Mm-hmm. They'll understand that you were in a situation, whether it was a meeting, whether it was you know, um, a conversation where you just had to say, I need to leave, or you just had to leave to take care of yourself. Because I think that's one thing that women can tend to not do. We're compassionate to so many other people, but we're less compassionate to ourselves and let it just be without thinking that there's going to be consequence. I think that's so important for women to recognize in themselves. Did you have any final thoughts or 
strategies that you have used in your career on how to build confidence and resiliency that you would like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? I think to continue to challenge yourself, continue to be curious about you and how you respond to things and know who you are authentically and be able to address that for yourself, not for anybody else, but for yourself. Know what your values are, know where you stand, but also be open to hearing others, hearing what they're doing, hearing their story, all of those pieces. Because with that, confidence doesn't come with just success, success, success. It comes with that failure and introspection and feedback. And then moving on and being able to say, this is it. This is who I am. And being able to stand for that, but also being able to listen and be flexible to hear others' opinions. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on values and confidence and resiliency with us, Betty. I'm really looking forward to working with you more here at the Vancouver Park Board. Thank you, Carla. It was brilliant. It just filled up my cup. I'm glad. (laughs) This is Talk It Forward, brought to you by the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation with support from the City of Vancouver. And I'm your host, Carla Grimman. On today's show, we're talking about confidence and resiliency. Next, we'll be talking with Carol Shearer about how to build confidence, about limiting beliefs and being vulnerable at work. Carol leads workshops on building resiliency at the City Learn Centre here at the City of Vancouver. She has lots to say about being vulnerable at work, building confidence, and different strategies on how to build resiliency. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Talk It Forward. And I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Carol Shire um, from City Learn. Carol, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at the City of Vancouver? Oh, thank you for having me, Carla. Um, My name is Carol Shire. I'm a quote unquote learning practitioner at the City of Vancouver. And I work in the City Learn Center, which is found in the subground of our heritage building at City Hall. And what I do here is a host of things. I, um, I do training, so I, I do courses. I also kind of oversee the center and the running of the center. Um, I also do a lot of um, providing advice to folks about what training that they should take in order to meet their own development needs. Uh, and I'm kind of the point person for um, a lot of folks within the organization when they just have general kind of training and learning development type questions. So I'm kind of the go-to person. It sounds like a really fulfilling job that you have. And I remember many, many years ago, it was way before the pandemic, we were doing in-person learning. And I can't remember the name of the course. I think it was surrounded around going for a job interview or building confidence in an interview, something along those lines. And I remember you had told the class, you know, before you go into the interview, pretend you have won a race or you've played a sport and and your team won and you know how they raise their arms, you know, when they're the champions or they're victorious and they, they put their arms up and they're like, yeah, I won. And you said to do that before going into an interview. Can you tell me why? Okay, so that's based on some um, research that had been done. This was probably dating back to around 2017, Carla. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Amy Cuddy, and she's a sociologist, and she had done some research around power poses. 
And basically that if we did certain things, like if you think about the Wonder Woman pose, where you're actually standing with your feet slightly apart, your hands on your hips, or if you have run a race or you're feeling like you've made a victory, like when you put your arms over your head, that's kind of the victory pose. And those are all things that are kind of positions of power. So if we do those things prior to going into a situation, just quietly before we go into a, a room where you might be having to do a bit of a presentation, it can kind of infuse you with that feeling of confidence. It's kind of interesting because she actually did research and then what happened was those results couldn't be replicated by another party. So there has been a bit of dispute about whether or not it is a true phenomenon based in science. But I do find that it's not dissimilar to, I use the metaphor of if you're going out for a hike and you happen to encounter a bear. One of the worst things for you to do is to run away from a bear because they'll go, oh my goodness. But if you make yourself large, what happens is the bear realizes that you're not afraid, that you're not a threat. And then you're supposed to basically make yourself large, make noise, and then back away slowly. And so that you're not giving the feeling that you're not confident in their presence. And often that will be enough so that you don't encounter a bad encounter with a bear. So it's not dissimilar, using a BC type bear metaphor, um, <laughs> is that we can actually, power poses actually can make you feel more confident. Have you ever run into a bear and, and tried this out yourself? You know, it's interesting. We have run into bears. Oh my um, goodness. We, we had a, an encounter with a grizzly and three cubs uh, when we were in Assiniboine Provincial Park many, many years ago. Um, what we did was, it was my daughter who was the first to encounter it. We were in a line. She stopped and she said, there's a bear. Um, my husband said, okay. Um, my, my son wanted to take a picture. I said, no bloody way. And then what we did is we sang the bear song to the bear. The other day, I met a bear, a great big bear, away out there. Mom saw that we weren't a threat. She very nicely led her cubs off into the off off the trail and up into the woods. My husband said, take the kids and go. And I said, I love you, because I wasn't sure if that was the last time I would see my husband again. And we had a, it was actually a an okay encounter. But this was a bear who was actually accustomed to seeing quite a few people in that setting because it was a provincial park. So she she behaved nicely and we were okay. Well, I'm I'm glad everything turned out. Um can you tell me more about limiting beliefs? What are they and how can we combat them? Limiting beliefs sound like, I'm not good enough. I can't. I won't. Um, rather than I am or I can do that. There's the metaphor you can also use of almost like an anchor that can be holding you down or holding you back. So what is it that's holding you back? And often it's your own thoughts. So it's noticing those and turning them around and actually leaning into the discomfort of what can be a limiting belief, allowing yourself to try it and be okay with whatever it is that could be new. And one of the most powerful ways that we can grow is by making a mistake and learning from it. And it's being comfortable with making a mistake and actually saying, oh, I've made an error, being accountable and saying, okay, I've done that. And then kind of assessing it and saying, okay, what have I learned from that? And what can I do so I don't make that same mistake again and move forward? None of us are perfect. And that's the other thing is if we can let go of that and accept ourselves as we are, that we're whole and complete because we are enough and really believing that, I think that can help people move forward. Yeah. I've read and I've heard quite often that when there's a job posting, hmm. 
a man will have, say, only 60% of the qualifications, but they'll still apply for the job. Mm -hmm. A woman will not apply for the position until they have like 100% of the qualifications listed on that job posting. And they say that it is somewhat centered around confidence and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, what would you recommend to the women out there that, you know, see these job postings or have the low self-esteem? How can they fill up that cup so that they don't have these limiting beliefs? And I would also say it's probably fear as well that would prevent a person from applying. So that's interesting. I'm just thinking about that. So I would have a hesitation applying for a job in which I didn't have all the qualifications. If I only had 60% of the qualifications, I would look at the other 40% and say, okay, how quickly would I be able to, are those qualifications that are hard and fast, are they ones that I could quickly learn on the job or are ones that I can bring that are transferable in some other way from something else that I've done? And then I would still put myself forward. And the only thing is that unless you put yourself out there and unless you take the chance, you don't even know. So you could be passing up on an opportunity that could be perfect for you without even realizing it because you haven't actually stepped beyond that place of saying, well, if I'm not 100% qualified, I'm not the right person for the job. Um, I have a friend who does a lot of journal writing and she's made the recommendation to write a brag sheet. Um, Mm -hmm. This individual went through a lot of you know, like going for job interviews and constantly being turned down can really lower your self-esteem. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, you get into that cycle of failure, right? Or, and then mm-hmm. it turns into fear and lack of confidence. Um, mm-hmm. So her recommendation was create a brag sheet. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with creating a brag sheet. And whenever you get into those moments of feeling down on yourself, your self-esteem lowering, you know, pull out that brag sheet and be proud of your accomplishments celebrate it. I actually have a file folder, Carla, of emails and things that people have sent to me when I've done a really good job and they've given me that feedback. And if I have a moment where I'm feeling maybe a little bit low, I actually just open my drawer (laughs) and I pull it out and I grab my file. That's awesome. Very thick. Well done. And then I just pull one sheet out (laughs) and I read it and I go, okay. So that's a great idea. The other thing is from a resilience standpoint, If you actually take time each day to think about a gratitude or three three things you're grateful for and one positive experience, what it actually helps us to do is to condition ourselves because in human beings, we have this thing called a negativity bias. But what it helps us do is to overcome that negativity bias. And then we start to scan the landscape for all these things that are positive. So then if we are feeling a bit low or we feel that we've maybe not done something as well, We see all of the stuff around us that is so good and what we can be grateful for. And also really important now in light of what's going on in the world, such a complex, chaotic time, but there are so many simple things like the magnolia tree outside of City Learn right now. Um, You know, I look at that and there is beauty amongst the chaos and amongst uh, all of the stuff that is not so bright these days. Yeah. Carol, do you have any examples of being vulnerable at work I think some people interpret showing vulnerability at work as weak or lack of confidence. And I'm wondering if you could talk more about that. Like, have you ever cried at work or seen a colleague cry at work? 
I have definitely cried at work and I have seen colleagues cry at work. Um, but I'm going to take you back to an example that came. I was doing a supervisory skills class and I had 20 folks in the classroom and we were talking about having difficult conversations and kind of a framework around how to have those conversations. And a person, one of the supervisors there brought up, well, what do you do if somebody cries during one of these conversations? How do you handle it? And one of the folks piped up and said, oh God, I hate it when somebody cries in a meeting. I just, I can't stand it. And another another person said, oh my goodness, but crying is magical. Um, and it's what, and we had this incredible conversation and it was interesting because the person who brought up the fact that they were uncomfortable with, with tears was a man, yet there were other men in the room who did pipe up and talked about how they felt honored if somebody felt safe enough to be able to be vulnerable and have a conversation that could have led to tears and how they could actually build trust if somebody was able to show that type of vulnerability. The other thing too is that I actually believe we're all human beings regardless of, and tears aren't meant for just kids. And that for all of us, there will be times where we will be moved to tears, uh, whether it's an experience where we hear somebody else's story or we are impacted at such an emotional level. It is better to let those tears out than to suppress them. Because if we suppress something, it becomes a possibility of leading to things like depression. It is better to let it out. So I definitely, I mean, I work in a team where we're vulnerable enough that that can happen. And I also in this corridor down here at CityLearn, there's another team where all of, all of the people here, um, I'm sure at some point or other, we have shared tears. Uh, life events, people, people die, people that are close to you, and it's not one of those things that, and they care, so they'll bring that up. And, and of course, you're going to have tears around that, and we're okay with that. It's on the human don't you yeah. think, Carla? It is. It is only human. And I am so thankful that you shared that story and how that it was, you know, a man that brought that up and that the other men in the room were able to to be thankful for that. Yes. You know? And I th and I think it gave the person who was uncomfortable the opportunity to sit in that discomfort and become more comfortable with that's a possibility. I mean, how can we not, as we move through life, not experience tears? Yeah. Have you noticed a shift between the genders um, with that vulnerability in your career? I mean, Brene Brown has done so much work around that as well. And it's become much more of a conversation mm -hmm. that I do think that men are more comfortable being more vulnerable. But I think it, it all depends, um, especially about as you get to know someone. But I was really surprised in that workshop, which was quite a few years ago now, that the men were able to speak up and say, it's totally okay. So I think, yes, I think I have seen a shift, especially the world that we're living in and the fact that people have all been experiencing the pandemic in a different way. People are much more open to talk about that because we all want to know what our experiences are. We compare them and we're looking for coping mechanisms if we can get them from someone else. So I do find I've had some pretty open conversations over the course of the last six months since I've actively been at work with people that I would have never had before prior to the pandemic. I think the pandemic has done a lot for vulnerability. It definitely has. I think you're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not yeah. so much gender. I think it's the pandemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And truth I, um, I've cried twice this week while at work 
And one was a presentation I did to the Park Board senior leadership team. I was talking about my journey uh, to creating this podcast and I shared a moment with them where I was very low and I thought that this podcast would not come to fruition. Um, And it was a really emotional point in the story for me and I started crying and the response from the senior leadership team was amazing and Mm -hmm. it made me feel very safe and it allowed me to be my authentic self when telling the story and I was not ashamed to share my tears with them. Well, you know something that's interesting because I think that says a lot for that senior leadership team too as well because you probably have had that sense of a safe place. So if we can all create that for the people that were around, and I would hope that people would do that with me, but I guess it comes around, it's it's around trust, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and knowing that you can be vulnerable. Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, popping on and, and chatting with us about confidence and resiliency and sharing with us your bear story. Um, I'm glad you all survived it. Me too. Because we've had a nice little life since then. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you, Carla. This has been Talk It Forward, brought to you by the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation with support from the City of Vancouver. Thank you for joining us on season one of the show. I hope you learned a lot by listening through all the episodes. If you liked what you heard, please share it and please give us a review. It has been an amazing experience and an amazing journey sharing these podcasts with you and sharing with you what Women in Leadership is all about, the barriers we face and how we're overcoming them and the support that we are receiving. If you'd like to hear more about what the City of Vancouver is doing to support women in the workplace and women in leadership, please visit vancouver.ca forward slash women's equity. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey, and we hope to chat with you again soon.